the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Links and Locks Best Bets podcast presented by Bet365. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is Ben Everell from Golf Bet. We are here to play 18 holes, making 18 bets on this week's Ryder Cup. Not just one of the great weeks on the calendar in golf, it's one of the great weeks in all of sports. I cannot wait for this to get started. We are recording right now on Monday afternoon, Ben, and the fact that we have to wait until Friday is just criminal. I, I want to get this thing started like immediately. I'm sure the captains want to get it started. The players want to get it started. All the fans on site in Rome want to get this thing started. Let's go. Let's play some golf already. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's, it's, it really is one of the great sporting events in the world. And been lucky enough to cover a lot of things across many sports around the world over the years. And the Ryder Cup is right up there, especially one that is on European soil, let me tell you. They really go mental for it over there, and it's going to be massive. And you're right; like it's it's one of the all, all major weeks are really hard for us in this industry when we're just sitting there waiting for it to start. They feel like they've taken forever, but when it's not even till Friday, we get to kick off. Whew, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. So let's get this thing going. I know. I can't wait. I do have a couple other questions for you before we start getting into our bets. But first. Gotta tell you that Links and Locks is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, see for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. That's right. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 or older only, must be present in Colorado, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, the next question I want to get to before we start talking bets, Benny. We saw the Solheim Cup this past week. And in what I'm calling, even if no one else wants to call it this, I'm calling a tie. It was 14 to 14. If, you, if you're if you tied at the Super Bowl, if the Chiefs are tied after four quarters, they don't go, here's the Lombardi trophy. You guys won last year, so you might as well just keep it. You play overtime. You go to a tiebreaker. Ben, there's a possibility because there's the same rules of the Ryder Cup, no tiebreaker. If this thing ends 14-14, which... Uh, look, we think the teams are pretty evenly matched. It's certainly, uh, there's some potential for it. The U.S. would retain the Ryder Cup and keep it for the first time on thir- in 30 years on European soil. It would just, to me though, it just feel icky. It's like, that, we didn't win it. We just get to take it home with us and they don't get to have it. I don't know. How do you feel about ties in a Solheim or Ryder Cup? And, and what's the potential? Maybe we even have one this week. What's the what's the famous quote? The ties like kissing your sister. I mean, uh-huh. that's what it really is. It, it, it's no good. It's not for modern sport, right? It's just not. Uh, I understand maybe in the old days that you know when draws and ties etc. Were, were part of the vernacular of a lot of sports, and especially in European and even Australian and whatnot sports that there's sort of a longer history of ties with soccer and and whatnot. But look, this thing has gotten bigger than that. It's mod- more modern than that. That's why we play overtime in most sports. It's extra time in Australia and rugby league. They do golden point. All these things have been brought in in the, mold- in the modern day because of this, because no one really wants to leave with this, this feeling of, oh, well, we just had this epic contest for three days and then we didn't really get a winner. I, I know the rules state that it'll be US if it's 14-14. And in fact... Uh, when we come to one of our bets, mate, we're talking about final score. I really think it's a huge possibility that we get that mm-hmm. goal. It could easily be 14-14 again this week. Uh, it's something that people should have a look at. Uh, it just it, Even the players themselves, they'll take it. They'll take the win. You know, the, the Americans would be very jubilant. Like, yeah, we finally done it. Yeah, no. we finally did it. But they didn't really win, right? It's like, they've yeah, they retained the cup. But if I'm writing about it in four years' time again, I'm saying that, 
they still haven't won the cup on European soil. They've retained it, but they've never. They still wouldn't have won it. And um, you want to be elite. You you want to you want to win. That they don't really they don't want a tie. No one wants a tie. Nobody what we wants. want is what happens. Yeah, what we want is what happens. Uh, happens in the President's Cup where you put your best player out there and say, "All right, boys, it's all on you. Get out there and play extra golf." Like you imagine if. Like it's like, what about Euro? Who's got to decide? Do we throw Hovland out there? Do we throw, throw Rory out there? Who are we going to push out there? Is it Ram? Who's going to go out there if we need to break a tie? And then the US team would have the same issue. Like, who are you throwing out in that moment? Just even thinking about that could happen. This is a talking point that doesn't even exist because of what we've got going. It's a shame that we don't have that scenario. I mean, that Solheim Cup, obviously great uh, for the Europeans. They got the job done by retaining it. But, you know, like I'm sure... They would have loved also to send out their two best and see what happens from there. I don't care what the tiebreaker is. But aggregate alternate shot for three or four holes. Take your best player and they play a sudden death playoff against their best player. I don't know. Arm wrestling. Rom against Kepka. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Flip a coin for all I care. Just determine yeah. a champion. It's not whoever won last time. It's different captains, different players. Two years ago, different had nothing thing. to do with what's going on right now. So. I have been very fired up about this all day, and I'm still getting into it, Benny. Mate, and just, and just to be just on that, I mean, it, it happens every time. Two years is a long time in golf, but I would argue that the last two years in golf has been the biggest change in the history of golf, perhaps. Point. And the fact that and the fact that you're going to award it based on what happened two years ago in a completely different climate of this sport is ludicrous. To honestly, it's stupid. Right. I mean, we're going, hey, DJ was 5-0 and two years ago and Bryson drove the first green. So, hey, U.S. gets yeah. to keep the cut. Well, that has nothing to do with what happened in Italy. So, all right, yeah. let's, let's get into our favorite bets because I'll go on for another two hours about the ties in uh, Solheim and Ryder Cup that, that are possible at least. All right, first bet on the board. Here's how we're doing things this week. As opposed to usual, where we've got so many bets on the board, we go back and forth. I'm just going to name a bet. I've got nine different bets in front of me. We're each going to make a wager on uh, each of these bets and give a play. And so we'll have 18 total bets, total suggestions for the folks out there to follow. We're going to start with top point scorer for the American side. Benny, Scotty Scheffler is the favorite. Where are you going with your play? Well, I think you've got one of two choices, to be honest, in this, and it's not Scotty Scheffler in my mind. Uh, until I see him making putts inside six feet, uh, I'm not really prepared to say that he's going to be the gun match player that might might be there when you know when the whips are cracking. Uh, I think you've got to go to a known commodity, a known team that will play a lot and will probably play well together, and that's Shoffley and Cantlay. Um, they're at both, I think, plus 600 or around about that point. Now, yep. if you're making me absolutely pick one, Right here is the balance of the two. So I really personally like, and this is just a hunch feel. I like Xander. I think I've told the story before about how in the Presidents Cup in 2019 in Melbourne, uh, he was up against Adam Scott in singles. Uh, Adam Scott made a small mistake and was clearly down, and I happened to be right near Xander and his caddy uh, as they were walking off a green early in that early in that match, and literally look his caddy in the eye and say, "We've got him right now. It's time to step on his effing throat and kill this bloke." And sure enough, he won the next two in a row. Bang, 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 got a three-up lead. And we managed to hold on. This was against Adam Scott in Australia when they were trying to win the cup for the first time in forever. He took the moment. And I really love that about his attitude in match play, right? So that's why I personally like him. However, Cantlay is a way more accurate player. This is going to be an accuracy week. Driving accuracy is going to matter because the Europeans are setting up this course. It's going to be narrow. The rough is diabolical anywhere out, including way out. And Cantley is one of the most accurate of the American players. So that might tip his, the scout of his favor if you're looking at them both playing singles because that's what it come down to if they both win, obviously, all their matches together. And honestly, it's not a bad idea. Look, if you're going back and forth between the two of them and you can always hedge it later based on, hey, they went 4-0 together the first two days. And so I'm going to hedge my bet by taking the other guy in singles. But you can take both of them right now. They're at plus 600, take them both, and you basically turn it into a three-to-one bet with either Shoffley or Cantlay. We are one-for-one one right now in taking the same player because I'm going with Xander as well. Love the experience. Yeah. Love the fact that he's got a built-in partner in Cantlay, and I do love the fact that he's got a high floor and that he tends mm -hmm. to not have any weaknesses in his game, and I think that helps so much in match play. I will throw out there, though, 
And because in these bets, in top point score bets, really in, in any of these bets we're going to get to, you're looking for quantity as much as you're looking for quality. Yeah. And so if it's between a guy that you kind of like that you think is playing five matches and a guy you really like that's playing three matches, you still might want to take the guy playing five matches just because he's going to have more of a chance to get to that level of more points. That said, reading between the lines of what we've heard from Zach Johnson, the U.S. captain, Jim Furyk, one of his assistants, was on my radio show a couple of weeks ago. They're talking about this being an arduous walk, physically demanding at Marco Simone Golf Course. So I wouldn't be surprised if no player on the U.S. team actually plays all five sessions. I think that we're going to see them max out at four, levels the playing field a little bit. I'm still going with Xander, but if you think Europe is going to dominate, I've got I've got this long shot play for if Europe wins 18 to 10 or 19 to 9, watch out for Ricky Fowler. I think Ricky could kind of sneak in there and be like 2-0 and 1, have two and a half yeah. points, and if all the big names uh, get their butts kicked, all of a sudden you can look at that and be like, oh, wow, at the end of the week, he somehow had the most points. So uh, let's get to Europe, the top point scorer for Europe. Rory McIlroy is your favorite, and depending on your book, you've got uh, John Rahm and Victor Hovland just behind him. So where are you going with your pick? One of those guys or further down the list? Uh, I'm going to stick with the hot hand here in Hovland. Um, I think you, you made, made a great point a minute ago. Uh, you're talking about the U.S. sort of stretching things out and spreading things out. I actually believe they will do that. That was a, a formula they put in place at Whistling Straits. They they rested guys even if they were hot because they mm-hmm. were like, we need to make sure we're we're spread across. It was the new it was the new way of doing things for that team. And by all reports, they're going to continue that. So uh, you know, someone might be three and zero over the first three sessions, but they'll still sit that fourth session uh, with the U.S. plan. So you do have a a wide variety of players to pick from. However, Europe, I don't necessarily see doing the same thing. I think they stack top heavy. Uh, and because of that, um, I, I, I think that you've got to look at those big names when it comes to Europe's top point scorer. I like Hovland just because he's a hot hand. I, I do have this nagging worry in me about him being their guy. Um, he's Look, he's better than the, the next two guys that I'm going to talk to. But being a guy who does the President's Cup a lot and is an international team guy, it's been so many times that our top guy coming in, our form guy, has been the likes of Adam Scott, Hideki Matsuyama, etc. These are ball strikers that have not always putted well in match play. I do have this little nagging issue that, like, if Hovland's not right on his game, he could essentially not be the dominant force they need him to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to go with him because he's one of the most accurate that they have. And as I said earlier, it'll be an accuracy game here. And he has an Australian caddy in Shane Knight. So let's <laughs> go with that. <laughs> all right. So first of all, I agree with all of your analysis they had off the top there. Whereas I don't think the U S is going to play anybody more than four matches. I think everyone gets a rest at some point. I think Europe has to, I think captain Luke Donald has to look at those three names at the top of the odds board, Rory, John Rom, Victor Hovland and say, I, I need you guys. I- I'm not yeah. going to win unless you guys are out there every time and out there playing your best golf. And I think he's going to ride his horses. And so I'm going with probably the most, uh, I don't know if I should say most talented, but at least that he is the proverbial straw that stirs the drink in Rory McIlroy. He is either going to win it for this team or lose it for this team. He's yeah. going to try to put him on his back. And, and I don't like playing favorites, but I still think plus 450 is a nice number for a guy that, look, we understand what this competition means for everything that's gone on in golf. As you mentioned earlier, over the last two years, Rory has been the guy talking about what the the love of the game means. And he's talked about the spirit and how much he loves this competition because of how much it fuels him. It's not about money. It's not about anything besides just winning for your country and for your teammates. I think that it means so much to Rory that at plus 450, I think he makes a whole lot of sense in this market. Again, I, I think I'm going after, I can't look past a guy who's not playing five matches. I do think Rory's going five. I will throw this out there. And again, I gave you Ricky for a long shot on the U.S. side. I think Europe. And again, we're recording on Monday. If you're listening to this on Thursday evening and you're like, you guys are stupid. It's this. Okay. Things can change. Secrets will be revealed at some point. As of right now, it would not surprise me whatsoever to see Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry go out early in Mm -hmm. foursomes in the first match on Friday morning. If they go out and win... Well, Luke Donald might say, eh, let's keep them together for four balls. They win again. All of a sudden, this team stays together for a while. 
Remember, five years ago, Mollywood, Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood played together for four matches, went 4-0. I would, I would suggest, it's really hard to kind of analyze this, but I would suggest that Tommy Fleetwood was the better of the two golfers over the first two days of that competition. That said, he lost on Sunday. Molinari won his singles match. Molinari cashed top point scorer tickets. I would not be completely surprised if Lowry essentially rides Rory's coattails a little bit. Not that he's not a great player in his own right, but then gets to his Sunday single ma- singles match and wins. Maybe Rory doesn't, maybe he has something like that. And Lowry at a big number could make some sense as top point score. I think he's 18 to one in that market, Ben. Yeah, mate, all good points. Uh, I will say just, again, cast your mind back just those two years. Remember, you want to know what it means to Rory McIlroy. Do you remember him breaking down in tears on national yeah. TV? I think it was the Sky footage, and then we all got it. Um, look, that it means a lot to him. It always has. And winning at home is obviously important to him as much as anything else. I think with all the upheaval and the changing of the guard in their team, it would be, you know, the danger for him, if anything, is trying too hard. He's going to right. want this more than possibly more yeah. than anyone out there. Yeah, there's, and there's certainly an analogy to be made to the Masters where he's been trying to get that green jacket for a decade now, and uh, he's wanted it so much that he's never gotten it. Uh, hopefully he doesn't want it, quote-unquote, too much at the Ryder Cup. All right, let's get to our third bet of nine on the board. Top rookie for the USA. Where are you going? Okay, I'm going for the outsider here, and I'm mm. doing it all based on – I just see the number – and I'm, and, and I'm going with the theory that they're all going to play because this is a player that might not play if that wasn't the case as much. I'm going with the theory they're all going to play enough matches and I'm going to go with the one who won the Open Championship, Brian Harmon, 5-1. to one. He is one of the most accurate players on this team. He is definitely the most accurate uh, rookie they have. Uh, he essentially fits into the mould that the Europeans are going to make this course for. They're going to try to, you know, strengthen accuracy, et cetera, uh, rather than bomb and gouge. So with that being said, I think that he can be sneaky good, um, despite the fact that we haven't really seen him do much since winning the Open by a million shots. Uh, he'll feel comfortable at home in there. And and honestly, if anyone is going to be protected potentially from crazy crowds and whatever, not, like whatever group he's playing in will be the least crowd out there. So uh, I'm going to say that that's going to work in his favor a little bit and it gives him a chance to be to cash in at odds uh, with Brian Harmon for me. Before I give you my pick, since you mentioned it, how the European team is going to set up the golf course. In previous years, we've often talked about the US team hits it much longer and Europe is more of an accuracy play. So the, the home team, whoever's at home, can essentially set it up to their strength. Five years ago at Le Golf National in Paris, the European team set it up so that accuracy was more important than distance. Two years ago, Whistling Straits, the American team <laughs> set it up so that you could just bomb it all over the place. Well, yep. this year, you would think that the Europe would go back to the accuracy play. That's what you've suggested here, and it, it tends to make sense. But look, I did some research here. All right, bear with me for a second, Benny. Of the all 11 right. players who competed full-time on the U.S. PGA Tour this year, the, the American players, and I kept it just PGA Tour members because I didn't want to complicate yep, yep. things with Live Golf and DP World Tour and other stuff. So just on the PGA Tour, U.S. team, 1,808 measured drives. They went 555,059 yards, a driving distance of almost exactly 307 on the dot. Accuracy, 12,615 tee shots, found the fairway 7,614 times. 60.36%. All right. Uh, remember those numbers or forget them. I'll remind you. Let's go on to Europe. Europe had nine players who competed full-time on the PGA Tour. 1,340 measured tee shots traveled 410,364 yards, <laughs> an average of 306.24. These players hit 9,325 drives, found the fairway 5,652 times, a percentage of 60.61. Okay. All of that probably is blowing your mind if you're sitting there trying to listen to this and you're like, what the hell is Sobel talking about? I'm with you. But bear with me here because when you break it all down, the Americans hit the ball an average of two feet longer than the Europeans while the Europeans (laughs) find the fairway one quarter of one percentage more frequently. In layman's terms, Benny, it's all about the same and it doesn't really matter. Let's fight on this. Let's fight on this because I'm going to I'm going to counter you with 
okay, I looked at driving accuracy rather than all those numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Now, of the players that play, again, this is PGA Tour, right? So it, it's some guys are left out. Like guy like uh, even even uh, Arberg, Aberg hasn't got an official tally in our stats because right. he didn't play enough. Um, but if you just look at driving accuracy this year, the top three of the guys of playing are all Americans, but they're the only three in this whole thing that actually have a better driving accuracy this season than Zach Johnson, the U.S. Co- the U.S. captain. Oh, so yeah, Zach hits a 40. Right, so hang on. Then you go, so the top three in this list are American, right? Then the next four, okay, are European. And then you start going shot for shot, essentially American, European, American, European. Then, though, when it comes to the, when it comes to the crunch, the f- five of the last six, as in at the wrong end of it, are the Americans. The very last guy on this list, the worst accuracy of everyone, is Rory McIlroy. So there you go. But my, my issue is, as I said, I think, look, you go further down the line, you, you see that's where the, the Americans sort of bottom out, right? Like a, the majority of them do have an issue with accuracy. And from there, there's going to be a problem. Also, you're dealing with some, I guess, analytical experts, quote unquote, with Luke Donald and Eduardo Molinari in, in, in this team. Not only are they pinching in the fairways or growing the rough at spots, but they're literally doing it off the back of where these Americans miss the most, whether it's left or right. They've actually moved the, the ropes, the viewing ropes, back further than they would for the DP World Tour events because they know the Americans, when they miss, can miss even wider and they don't want it trampled down. So they've thought this all through. So mm-hmm. I know it is a little bit, I guess, it's easy for me to say accuracy over distance, but it's actually more in-depth than that. I was just trying not to bore the listeners with all <laughs> of that. And instead, we got your million numbers and got to the same spot. So yes, I hear you. They're all professional guys. They all play the same sort of golf these days. But I still think there is an edge, definite edge, when you get the choice to set it up. And it could be as simple as, oh, you know, 80% of this group miss it on the right uh, of the Americans. So we're going to just put tons of rough on the right side or we're going to do, you know, whatever it is. They've literally gone through it all with a fine-tooth game. Yeah. I mean, Luke Donald and at least one of his vice captains, Eduardo Molinari, are stat geeks. And I mean that yep. in the nicest way possible. And uh, from everything I've heard, the number they're targeting is they would like to have their players hitting approach shots from 160 to 210, where they find that they have an advantage and they want to keep the wedges out of the hands of the Americans because the Americans are better from that 100 to 150 range with a wedge in their hands. And so uh, I right. think that could make all the difference there. In fact, uh, at least a few, uh, if not as many as three of the par four holes are going to be drivable to keep the U.S. players from having an advantage mm-hmm. with the wedge in their hands. They're going to move up those tee boxes throughout the entire week. Anyway, all right, getting back to the task at hand, top rookie for the U.S., uh, I'm going with the favorite in this category, Max Homa. He's been playing some good golf over the last couple of months. 4-0 and last year as a President's Cup rookie. I'm not worried about him playing some good golf as a rookie in this one. And I tend to look at Max. I, I know everyone says, well, California-born – He wins a lot in California. You look at some of his wins, Riviera, TBC Potomac, Torrey Pines, tough golf courses bordered by a lot of thick rough. And he seems to play his best golf on these type of tracks that quite honestly, I could see there being a correlation to Marco Simone this week. So I'm going to go with home at plus 150 in that one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get to top rookie for the European squad. Benny, where are you going? I'm going to go with the most accurate European in the driving distance I just talked about. Uh, sorry, driving accuracy and driving distance. Most accurate guy is also a birdie machine. Also some little bit of value. Plus 275-ish. Sepp Stracker, again, is my guy to look for here as, as a rookie. He's obviously played on the, the PGA Tour for a long time. He's a winner there. He was runner-up at the Open. So he, you know, he's figured out somewhat. The European style, even though Lynx is different to Marco Simone, I know all that, but I just also I just feel like he'll ride the wave of the crowd. 
you know, you can't underestimate that. Like rookies are going to be nervous, right? But the European rookies get the benefit of having a crowd on their side. They're going to be pushing for him. He's going to want to impress. I'd like to see, I'd like to feel like he's the type of guy that will grab that and enjoy that atmosphere as much as anything else. So, um, whereas obviously the youngster Aberg has, you know, just won recently and is the favorite in there and whatnot. He's got a hot hand. He has also in the past shown a little bit of a tendency to have the odd nervousness in a, in a clutch moment. He, he made a big move to win. That was a, a step he had to make, but I'm not convinced that he'll never be nervous again. So I, I just like Stracker there as a bit more experienced and, and, and ready to rumble. I feel Stracker will be like, I got nothing to lose. You know, yep. what am I worried about here? And, uh, and that I think will work in his favor. All right. Spoiler alert. I'm actually on the same page with you exactly. <laughs> and for many of the same reasons, but before I get to that, I want to go through some stats here. In each of the past five editions of the Ryder Cup, rookies have combined to post a winning record. So if you look at from the 2012 Ryder Cup on through the 2021 Ryder Cup, you take all the rookies, you put all the records together. They're on the winning side. They're plus 500 uh, at, or, or above 500 in each of those five occasions. Total 63, 49, 11. We tend to make a big deal about experience in a Ryder cup. You can't just show up for the first time and figure it out. You got to play in a couple of these things. That's not what the numbers show whatsoever. And so the rookies have actually played better than the veterans over the last decade plus. All right. You and I might be the only people in the world who are on somebody other than Ludwig Aberg for top <laughs> European rookie, because I think the entire world is on him this week. And look, I can certainly see it. I like him a lot. I have trouble getting yeah. off of that one, but at a bigger number, Sepp Straka, I think you absolutely mentioned it because first of all, I think a lot of people look at Sepp and go, ah, oh, big dude, nicknames the ox. That dude kills it. Actually, his mm -hmm. driving distance is below the PGA Tour average over mm -hmm. this season. Accuracy, much better. He's an accurate player. He's a big dude that doesn't hit it that far, but hits a lot of <laughs> fairways. So, uh, your, your biases, your physical biases don't necessarily uh, stand when it comes to Straka. That said, like really good player, as comfortable around the Americans as anybody and, and sort of wants to, wants to stick it to a few of them. This is a guy who calls himself 100% Austrian and 100% American, which I think is really cool. 200% man right there, Sepp Straka, uh, and a nice number. I think I like him for top rookie. All right, how about top wild guard? And if you aren't sure what wild guard is top captain's pick for the u.s we've got six choices on either side you've got half the roster to choose from on each team what are you doing for the americans i'm sticking with my accuracy theme here and i'm going for the most accurate guy in the entire field uh and that is colin morikawa uh, i think it's three to one or plus 300 or so for colin morikawa I, I think if he brings his game and uh, i was thinking of it along the lines of two i was like what if, what if we get a blowout like we have over the last few times, and Europe does dominate this thing. Who would be that guy that might pull up a few points? And I, like like you said, Fowler, for me, it was it was Morikawa. I was like, oh, he could just be accurate and jag a few wins, and um, you know, ends up playing not against their best players because you know that would mean that Xander and Sh and Cantlay had to go up against Rory and Lowry and lost, or went up against so and so mm -hmm. and lost. A lot of these things still have to come into it, but. I just saw Morikow as a, a very steady play in this market. Plus 300, I'm not betting a house on it any, by any stretch, but I just thought it was a nice even number there for how accurate he can be. All right, I am going to take a walk down Narrative Street. There's been so many people over the last three or four weeks disagreeing with Zach Johnson's selection of Justin Thomas on this team. People have talked about this being an old boys club. He just wants to go to Italy with his friends and – JT is one of his buddies. First of all, I will say that I don't think JT was the 12th man on this team. I think JT's spot on this team was pretty secure, whether he was playing well or not. And I think JT is coming in with a massive chip on his shoulder, wants to prove not just to himself, not just to Europe, but to all the haters, and the doubters that are rooting for the American side. Hey, look, I'm better than Keegan Bradley. I'm better than Lucas Glover or Cameron Young. And I'm going to go out there and put up some points like Shoffley and Cantley. He's got a built-in partner in Jordan Spieth. I don't think Zach Johnson is going to keep the reins on him at all and say, well, we'll play for a match here and maybe a match there. I, I think JT is one of the team leaders. I actually think I mentioned 
Rory McIlroy earlier being the straw that stirs the drink for Europe. I think that honor goes to JT, even as a captain's pick for the U.S. side. Nobody will rally the troops. And I don't. I think the team goes as JT will go. I, you, Scotty Scheffler is the best player. Brooks Koepka is a five-time major winner. But this is going to look like JT's team. He's going to be the team leader of this thing. And at plus 375, I think he makes a whole lot of sense as the top wild card pick. I think he's going to have people by Saturday afternoon forgetting that he almost didn't make this team or maybe people thought he shouldn't have made this team. All right, how about the top captain's pick, top wild card point scorer for Europe this week? I think you go either the favorite or the absolute um, outsider, uh, and that is so you go to Stracker again. He's mm-hmm. plus 650 at the far end. I think there's value there. I obviously mentioned all the reasons that I liked him earlier, and the guy who's the favorite is your other option, and that's the easy play, and that's Tommy Fleetwood. Um, just again, having been there, done that. He was part of Mollywood, as you as you said. Um, I can see him striking up another. Um, I, I mean, I meant to t- ask you this: like, who are we who who are we going to put with Wood so that we have a new nickname? Right? Who's going to be the new nickname that runs through this team uh, that that is exciting? And like, Hovwood doesn't sound so good. Hollywood maybe instead of Hollywood that could work. Hollywood, you know, something well, is going to happen. Rosewood yeah. has a good ring to it. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, those two could, you know, that that could be something that I think you can see. So look, I, I'm I'm literally suggesting a small small at the, um, you know, small investment at the uh, of the favorite if you want, but uh, and then maybe a little bit more uh, go on that stracker at the end if you want to cash in on some big odds. All right, I'm going to go in between those two players, and I mentioned earlier, and again, uh, you've got to sort of plot this stuff out in your mind, yeah. and we will learn more as the week progresses and. As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're recording on Monday, and uh, if we were recording on Thursday afternoon instead, maybe our decision-making would be a lot different here. But as I, I'm coming into the week, I look at Shane Lowry as a guy who should be playing with Rory McIlroy, and if I'm Luke Donald, I put him with Rory McIlroy for at least a few of those partnered matches. They played one match together in the Ryder Cup previously. Again, if Lowry can ride those McElroy coattails a little bit, or maybe just Rory kind of fires up Shane, much like Justin Thomas, Shane Lowry is a guy that was sort of a controversial captain's pick. There were some people on the European side that didn't think he deserved to be on this team. I, I thought that was I thought he was an easier selection than even Justin Thomas was. But at plus five fifty, I think he makes a world of sense, especially based on who he might be playing with over the first couple of days. So I think Shane Lowry for top wild card for Europe. All right, Benny, it's time. And we're going to have a few more bets after this because they're going to be based on this. But uh, we couldn't do those bets without revealing our winner first. So overall winner for this week's event. And I have to point out to the folks out there, if you're betting on this, there's an overall winner in which you can bet Europe, the U.S., or a draw. You can also bet team to lift the trophy, which bakes in the fact that the U.S., only needs 14 points as opposed yeah. to 14 and a half points. And so that one would only be the two teams. There can't be a draw. Who are you taking for your overall winner this week? You've set me up beautifully, but I'm still going to knock you down a second and just go revisit one more thing. I think what's very important that you've, you've been saying this through this whole podcast is, you know, we're doing this on Monday and we'll know more on Wednesday and Thursday, etc. Yep. What's important though to, to understand here is, if you, this is also an opportunity in risk reward betting, right? Like everyone else is going to have that information too by Thursday. So if sure, wait till Thursday if you want and work out who's playing who and then do your bets, but the odds will change. So if you want to have a little bit better odds, that's why we're doing this early. That gives you a chance to make these uh, assessments and adjustments in your mind prior. Um, you know, if, if we see Lowry definitely out there with Rory in that first thing, all of a sudden Lowry becomes a better option, right? So you might see his odds shift in. Uh, you've got to make that call before it becomes official if you want to get the best odds. Right. Um, so that's something to think about. That That's another reason why you might go in a little early or at least put your toe in the water a little bit early and then save some back when you know some more information. Um, but yes, let's get to a winner. All right, so this is weird, right? This is, <laughs> this is going to sound bizarre. Uh, but no, here's what I think. I think the betting play, this is bizarre to say, but the betting play is bet the home team, bet the underdog. They're the yeah. underdog, and for 30 years they've been winning, right? Like it's ridiculous in 
if to not to not sort of think that uh, a European team that's mostly in form, uh, an American team that is not as strong as it has been in the past in depth, uh, are the favourites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like there is a multitude of reasons why Europe should technically actually be favoured here, and they're not. Danny, um, you're you're so, a big sports fan. You watch a lot of international sports. There is not yeah. another team in the world that hasn't lost to their main rival on home soil in 30 years and would be an underdog going into it. It doesn't yeah. happen anywhere else, and yet it's still happening at the Ryder Cup every few years. Yeah. For my Australian friends and listeners that know the state of origin that I talk about often, this the European team is the Queensland team and the American team is New South Wales. For some reason, Queensland keep kicking our ass, and yet they become... It was start of every time, but they're they're underdogs for some reason. Uh, it's just it's it's unheard of. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but in saying all that, I don't know why, but I have a concern for the European team in the first time in a long time on their home soil. So uh, I am saying that the smart money is to go the underdog. I have a feeling we're going to be closer to a tie than anything, which would mean the US would win. So, I mean, I know I'm not really giving you a, a, a choice here, mate, um, but our next bet will give it away. So I think that if you're betting in the overall, if you're betting in the um, overall, you might have to lean to the favorite Americans, but I'm got, I really think that the money and the, and the value is with the European team. I tend to agree with that. Look, I, I wish I had gotten on it a few months ago, like some others at close to plus 200, which is a ridiculous number for a team that once again, hasn't lost on home soil in 30 years in this competition. I'm still <laughs> leaning Europe. I, I think there are some massive keys for this team. Uh, not the least of which is, as I mentioned earlier, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland essentially have to play five matches and they have to play five matches. Well, I mean, if they go out and, yeah. John Rahm's 0-2 on Friday, and then he sits on Saturday and then tries to get back into it on Saturday after you're done. It's just That's not going to work. You need your guys stepping on the gas pedal right from the beginning. And if Luke Donald gets that, he can win. Luke Donald can't get this win yeah. by John Rahm playing poorly and Victor Hovland kind of being mediocre. And, like, you're not getting this done with Nikolai Hoygaard. Like, you've <laughs> got to have your big guns playing their best golf. But I do think that it can happen. I am taking Europe. I still think that the wrong team is probably favored in this one. Do I love it? No. And we're going to get into another bet, as you alluded to, in just a second here. That's going to tell us just how much we like either team. But I think if I if I absolutely had to, and it's my least favorite bet on the board, Ben. It's the, the question yeah. I got asked. I was playing in a tournament at my club this weekend, and all the guys are coming up. Who you got this week? And I'm like, I, yeah. don't ask me that. That's my least favorite bet. <laughs> Ask me top point scorer or rookie or wild card or what? Don't ask me who I got because to me, that's the hardest bet to make. That said, I will lean Europe just based on the value. Uh, we talked about how the next couple of bets would give away which team we like. So uh, let's get to our eighth bet on the board. Total overall winning score, Ben, where are you going? Yeah, so I really like that 14-14 tie. As simple as that. I think it's yeah. 12 to 1. I, I think this is going to be a tight contest. Um, uh, I know that, as I said, everything points, all the statistics, all the analysis, even a column I just wrote talking about the 30-year thing, everything points to Europe, right? Like, so Europe, Europe, Europe. But I don't know what it is inside. Call it a gut feel. Call it whatever you like. I think there are some narratives in this US team, some chips on shoulders, some things that just have me feeling like this is trending to, towards a potential quote unquote upset, which is it should be an upset they're winning for the first time in 30 years over there, but they're going in as favorite. Um, I think that they can push on the back of you mentioned one guy in JT. I, as I said, I like Xander Shuffler when he feels like he's being disrespected. Um, I think Scheffler, now this is a big one. He's been putting terribly, as we know, but he finally listened to somebody about potentially using a super stroke grip. Those things are dynamite for all of us people out there who are not the greatest golfers in the world. That They help everyone putt well. I really also hope he sticks with, with it. Noted putting guru Phil Kenyon, it was reported yes, on Monday as well. Um, so that could help him out. Uh, I, just, I think there are some narratives that sort of play into the Americans' uh, wheelhouse. And for want of a better term, it strikes me, it's... I guess I've learned from all the President's Cups in my own internal feelings, right? Like, I obviously go into every President's Cup, come on, internationals, we're going to smash them, we're going to finally do it, all this stuff. 
And then in reality, it comes down to some of the depth and then you what you need in those teams is you need those top five or six guys to be amazing, to be awesome. Now, I know that the American isn't as, depth isn't as strong as it has been in the past, but it's still, when you come down to those, who's top five or six is going to be guaranteed success? I right. just have a nagging worry when it comes to, like you said, like Rory is going to either lead this thing to a smashing or he's going to be the problem and it's going to put Europe under pressure, right? Like it's going to be one of those scenarios where uh, those top guys have to, have to perform. They cannot leave it on Aberg and Hoygaard and McIntyre and these guys. Look, they just can't leave it to them. Uh, and that has me a little concerned for them as much as I think that they, again, should be favourites and could win. I'm going to lean on that 14-14. Now, if you look, if you think the Euros are going to do what they've always done, I like the 16 to 1 about of around about what 15 and a half to 12 and a half. There you go. So if you think Euro win, go about go three points because I think if they're going to smash them, um, you know, it'll it'll be three or more because it'll be because the US have dejected and can't catch up and they sort of let it slide. Um, but I think if it gets close, I'm just leaning to the Americans under the pressure, uh, under the gun. Sorry, if it gets really close um, because of some narratives that we may see. All right, so I've already mentioned that I, I like Europe. I like Europe in a close one. I'm going to, if I have to take just one play here in the market, I'm going to take 15-13 Europe at plus 1,200. It's 12-1. to 1. There you go. That said, my real favorite bet in this market is essentially, I think Europe's going to win, and I think it's going to be close. I'm going to take 14.5 to 13.5 at plus 1,100. 15 to 13 plus 1200 and 15 and a half to 12 and a half at plus 1200. Essentially I'm turning this into a bet of just under just shorter than four to one. I have Europe winning anywhere from by one to three points. And so what I'm doing is all right. So I'm, I'm shortening the odds a little bit, but uh, boy, I, I have turned them at least in my favor as well, because uh, I I'm giving myself myself a little buffer there uh if it's going to be close like to win this yeah i like that th- i like that thinking if and if for whatever reason you think the us is going to do it then maybe do the opposite maybe go right. down that mark I, I do think as i said and and it hasn't been this way of late we've talked about the big smash ups but i do think this one's going to be close either way and that's why i said the tie i think if you yeah if you went pick just picked your side and went either side of it um you give yourself uh, good value there in terms of it's you know probably going to be one of these now we as i said we could come back here next next week and it, it's another what 19.9 or another smash up um, but i just don't necessarily see it happening this time so i always say that you should try to take the some of the you, you should you know don't don't ignore feel but take some of it out and make sure you're looking at it at, at the numbers and things that are in front of you i just can't shake a feeling that the u.s are going to be there at the end of this one all right. Uh, ninth and final bet on the board for us. Which player is going to hold the winning putt? Now, uh, I did some content for Bet365, some preview content that we recorded last week, and there are a whole bunch of kind of fun bets out there because they're a little bit of a crapshoot. You don't really know, and it's like, oh, there's some bigger numbers out there. I'm just kind of hinting where I'm going with this, but who are you taking to hold the winning putt, or I guess the clinching putt if you do think it's going to be 14 to 14? So uh, before I give you my actual thing, I think there's definite value if it's like small unit value in literally going to the bottom of the board, as in the, sorry, the, the, the high odds here, yeah. and just sprinkling on all of them because yep. it literally is a lottery ticket who it could be. Yep. Right? So that's, this, yep. is a, this is a good lottery bet, you know, if you want to throw one out there and have some fun, yeah? That being said, I'm a big guy when, it, you know, being a sports writer and whatnot, I'm a big guy in narratives and and redemptions and things like that and you've nailed the guy earlier speaking i've waited till this point all to bring it up but i think this is the return of justin thomas and i think justin thomas at 18 to 1 may well just be the narrative that 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 is the guy that puts it away and really sort of starts the celebration for the u.s if they are going to tie or win this thing um i wrote a column before he played last week Uh, people asked me when to get back on the thomas train and basically, I said, I don't think he's going to win at Fortinet, but I do think the turnaround for him is going to be from the Ryder Cup onwards. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go 4-0 or do whatever else. I'm saying that his play will turn around off the back of being there with his mates, will be 
playing for his country and being psyched and being ready to go. And it'll be akin to what happened to Adam Scott in 2009 with the President's Cup, wasn't playing well. People didn't think he should be on the international team, was picked as a captain's pick, didn't even play that great on that, but just garnered the confidence of being around the fellas again and being part of the elite squads and and realize, and hearing from other people um, how how they held him in high esteem and all that sort of stuff is going to be what kickstarts Justin Thomas. He will return next season as if he didn't have this season we just saw right. and, and things will come back for him. Uh, and I think it all starts here at the Ryder Cup. And so I think that narrative falls into a great story. We're looking for the story as journalists. That'd be one to write. Justin Thomas wasn't expect. Some people didn't want him there. He clinches the cup. I like the idea. I think, though, that if Justin Thomas plays Justin Thomas-like golf over the first two days, he's the first guy you send out to try to quiet <laughs> down the crowd on Sunday morning. So uh, Justin Thomas, not my play. I'm going with, obviously, a European since I have Europe to win. And I like the idea of going with a narrative play. For the first time ever in the Ryder Cup, there is a player competing who's never before played in a major championship, hasn't played in a major. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And yet we're talking about Ludwig Aberg, like he might be the yeah. best player on the European team. I mean, the guy is so unbelievably talented. He just makes it look easy. I mean, you watch players in other sports and you're like, man, they, they just don't look like they're doing that much. It looks pretty effortless. And they're so much more talented than everybody else. That's what I see when I watch Ludwig Aberg swing a golf club. Look, I, I don't think he'd be one of the first few players out for Europe. I think your Rory's and your Rom's and your Hatton's, who's very emotional, I think those guys would be the first few out in a closely contested match. He'd be further down. And if I do think Europe's going to win, I want to take a chance at somebody with a big number. Ludwig plus 2,500. Again, like you said, Benny, why not take a shot on a big number in yeah. some of these markets? I mean, there are a few out there. Who's going to be in the first singles match? Who's going to be in the last singles match for each team? I, I think it's really interesting. And uh, again, you can find some pretty big numbers out there. So, mate, you touched on it there, and this is important too. So to get you guys thinking about it out there, you do have to sort of project what you think is going to happen across right. those first two days. Because if Europe have a lead going in the singles, what generally they will do is they will front load with some good players to try to increase that advantage. And they also know that the Americans chasing are going to have to do the same. They're going to, the Americans are going to be like, we need to get points on the board early. We need to start a red, white, and blue, you know, a red wave, et cetera. So all of a sudden, if you think America is going to be behind going to singles, they're going to have big names up the front. That means that you have to have your other guys at the back, right? So, and, and vice versa. So in this case, you're right. Like if Europe have a lead and so you're expecting, you know, for them to just try to sort of put it away, you might see, as you said, Aberg might end up being way down near the bottom. He might not necessarily be the anchor, but he may be. He may be. Right. If they've got a good lead, right, let's just put him at the back. Hopefully his match doesn't matter, you know, as a rookie, you know, that sort of thing. So um, you've got to sort of figure out the narrative and to, to decide where they'll go. Um, you're right. I do have one concern with Thomas being that he could be told to be that First out. Yeah. He he struck me as, as an option as no matter where the match stands, go out and quiet the crowd. Go out and do what, like what we, if we wanted to send, uh, it, was, it was Tiger in Melbourne, you know, for the, it was like Tiger's going out first as the captain. You know, we all knew it. It was all happening. Out he right. goes, right? Like right. Thomas is that potential emotional leader that could go out first for them, which does make it, unless they're really winning. That makes it hard for him to get the, the clinching point. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, it will. It, he, but at the same time, Thomas also is the type of guy that would be asking to be in the sweet spot too. You know, like he'd want to be there when he uh, he wants the ball when the when the game's on the line. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they decide what to do that, and all that changes based on the narrative. And it's a shame, honestly. And I've said this many times, and I get knocked down, and I don't know where you sit on this, Jason. But like the Ryder Cup is clearly a proven commodity. It's a great competition. It's fantastic. The one thing, the one thing I really think it should borrow and steal from the President's Cup is the way they do the matchups. I don't like the blind thing. I want to see them go head to head. I want them to have to force and have guys play. I want that entertainment factor. Um, yeah, bring it. That's what I want to say. I've see. got an article I, I've already written, and honestly, I write this every two years, but four things from the President's Cup. The first wouldn't necessarily benefit the fans, 
but I can't believe they haven't expanded to four days. You've got TV revenue, ticket sales, merchandise sales. That's what this Mm. is about. This whole thing's a moneymaker for as much as we want to talk about all the goodness in the game, the, the pure golf and all that. This is a moneymaker for both the PGA of America and the DP world tour. I can't believe they haven't expanded to Thursday. That would mean more matches. You can't hide players as much in the partnered matches over the first few days. So they can play more matches those days. Uh, Exactly what you said, which was uh, having an ability to, um, well, first of all, not have a tie like they do uh, (laughs) and you retain the trophy. The president's cup. I I realized that they tied 20 years ago, but they ran out of sunlight that time. And so uh, that's a little tougher as well. And then, you're absolutely right. Create the singles matches, just like you do your fancy football draft. All right, I'm going to go. Then it's your turn. Then you go again. Then it's my turn. Okay, and we'll we'll create matches yeah. instead of just, uh, here's 12 names. Now you give your 12 names. That's antiquated. So much of this, I get tradition, but a lot of it is antiquated. This thing's an entertainment vehicle. We need to entertain just a little bit better because it's a great yeah. competition. It's a great event. But if we're entertaining, we can do a little bit better job of entertaining the masses. Hey, Ben, one last time, want to remind everybody that the Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic. Every tournament, every game, every point, every play. The moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION. And you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 or older only must be present in Colorado, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply this has been an absolute blast hope we've helped you out trying to just sort your own narratives for this week's upcoming Ryder cup it's going to be so much fun can't wait to watch the festivities from marco simone over in italy and to those who are just kind of looking in and listening in right now we do this every single week during the pga tour season you can download our podcast links and locks and subscribe rate and listen every single week for ben Everell. I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all of your bets for this week's Ryder Cup. Here's hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.